So you can change it on your computer, but it cannot be copied to the entire network because the network will reject it because those cryptographic hashes do not match. Blockchain is everywhere at the moment. It seems to be touted as this universal panacea, a digital solution for all of our ills. I've even seen it talked about in terms of fixing the border problem between Ireland and the UK if we end up moving. Now that's probably overstating its potential somewhat, but a new essay just published on vmj.com looks at how blockchain could improve clinical trials in a really specific way. And to talk about that, I'm joined by Lisa Osipenko, who's a senior lecturer at the London School of Economics. Lisa, thank you very much for taking the time to come in and talk to me. Hello, Duncan. Um, So if I could just get you to introduce yourself, what's your background? How did you get interested in, in blockchain? Uh, my background is actually in systems engineering, and that was my PhD that I did in the US. And um, then I moved to the field of healthcare and became a self-taught health economist. And over the last uh, six years, I worked at NICE, and um, I moved to the London School of Economics a year ago. Great. Um, so the first question I had looking at this is, I have this sort of vague idea of what blockchain is, uh, but you actually have a really nice explanation. For our listeners, can you tell us what is blockchain? You started well saying that this is a very hyped up technology at the moment. And this is an IT solution, which just manages data in the decentralized way. So data is not stored on a central server, but it is distributed among all the users on the network. And the way data is stored is that it's recorded in specific blocks, and each block has a cryptographic hash. And this hash connects each block. And um, basically, blockchain creates this immutable ledger with data records that each user has a copy of. And this makes data hacking or corruption of data pretty much impossible. So you've got these these blocks of data, which are, I suppose are a bit like, I don't know, people could envisage them like a, a file, there's something in there. And then when that's that's encrypted, you get this, this key out of that. And then that key is used as part of the encryption for the, the next file. Correct. In the chain. So if when the data in that first file was changed a little bit, that would change that key out of the encryption. And obviously then, because that was used for the next one, that would have to change everything up the chain. So this chain sort of reinforces the integrity of itself uh, all the way along. Indeed, if somebody decides to go into the blockchain and let's say remove one record or delete that record, it becomes impossible because as soon as the record is created, it's time stamped and every user on a network has it. So you can change it on your computer, but it cannot be copied to the entire network because the network will reject it because those cryptographic hashes do not match. Mm. So 
it means that record changing is literally impossible. If you want to change a record, and it's actually a very important step in blockchain because data entry could be erroneous or data needs to be updated, the only way to do that is by creating new blocks. New blocks will make previous blocks obsolete, but if we need to see what previous blocks said what information we held on file, it will all be traceable and available as a history record. Mm. So what you're talking about here is kind of information governance. It's kind of fundamentally keeping that the integrity of the information, whatever that information is, uh, there. So this leads us then to clinical trials. And you think that the information within those blocks could be data that's collected during a clinical trial? Yes, and uh, I think the key feature of blockchain is that it's been currently uh, brought to the market as the solution to the situations where parties cannot be trusted, so to speak, where there is a risk of one party, let's say, not sharing the right information or possibly manipulating information. And uh, in finance, this may happen, and it may happen in many other fields. So clinical trials, obviously, are not exempt from that. And uh, we've seen examples of data manipulation. And um, it's really a potentially amazing solution for data integrity for clinical trials. Mm. So that's the data that's, that's put into the blockchain, the data that's recorded. But what this doesn't do is really look in any way at what the data going into there is. It just says once it's recorded, it can't be changed. So also equally at the other end, it doesn't say what's done with that data. It's just that once it's read, it is the same as when it was written down. Correct. So blockchain cannot prevent erroneous data entry. And... um, Whenever we are done with this data, obviously data analysis, so data set can arrive intact to different stakeholders. And I think from my perspective, the value of blockchain is ensuring that we are able to deliver intact data sets to multiple stakeholders for parallel analysis. That's where the value comes from. This is another tool that we have. And we have various tools when it comes to trying to make sure that clinical trial data is is as good as it can be. We have things like reporting statements about how that should be sort of interpreted and told. Uh, We have things like um, trial registries where you you publish your protocols so that people know before you start uh, what this is. So really what you're talking about here is just another one of those those tools in our in our armory. To an extent, but I think there are two ways to look at that. So um, I envision the world that maybe a few <laughs> decades from now, solutions such as blockchain completely replace centralized data storage. So it's not about clinical trials specifically. This is how we keep the data because having this transparency and integrity to data is extremely important. doesn't matter whether it's NHS records, whether it is um, your banking statements. Um, It's the new way of having 
transparent data storage which is traceable and we have the provenance of data that we can um, keep the track of. So if we enter this new paradigm, blockchain simply goes on the background of our usual operations. People running clinical trials don't need to know anything about it. Like currently, they have no clue how TCPIP protocol works. They have no clue where the data flows after they entered it on a website. They download and print a report or a PDF file. The dynamics of that, the complexity of what goes in the background from the infrastructural IT point of view is unknown to the user. So with blockchain, it will be exactly the same. But what will happen from the data management point of view is any manipulation by the user um, will not be possible. But most importantly, as a new tool, it will allow much um, easier auditing and uh, hopefully it will be a money-saving and resource-saving solution because currently the auditing of clinical trials is an expensive and um, a difficult task and there's no way to audit a trial, each trial uh, for each detail. Sample sizes are being taken and specific steps are being taken for auditing. Many of these steps could be programmed into blockchain to automate it. Oh, so that's interesting. That's something I hadn't heard before. So we don't know that the clinical study report that one person was looking at is identical to the one that maybe goes to the regulator. And actually what this would allow us to do is automatically check that they are the same thing because we have this this cryptographic hash uh, key that, that simplifies that process. And uh, we would know that, that, that at least those two matched up. Absolutely. It's not just on reports or specific documents. It could be done on each data point. And um, once again, automatically, because it's all pre-programmed through smart contracts on the blockchain. And um, this data integrity is uh, very important um, for auditors, for patients, for clinicians, and massively for efficiency. Mm. So yeah, when you've got this blockchain and you're trying to ensure its data integrity, um, who has to be involved to actually, you know, do that? Yes, um, building the blockchain platform for a clinical trial is a very important step. It's as important as trial design, and it's possible to go wrong there as well. So first of all, it's important to think who are the participants on the network. And of course, it has to be the actual organization running the trial, whether it's a pharmaceutical company or an academic group. Uh, this opens the blockchain to all the investigators or anyone who needs to enter the data or download the data. So then the second participant is, uh, of course, the regulator or the funder. And um, you can think of other participants. You can put, uh, for example, patient organizations, if they're co-funding the study or they're participating in the study. So, but this network is a closed network. It doesn't mean when I say data is transparent, it doesn't mean it's publicly available on the web. It's available to the participants on that network. But it's very important that these participants are actually not just a contract research organization and the company, is the contract research organization the company and the regulator or the funder or the patient organization. 
So um, design of the blockchain is very important because as I explained in my article, smart contracts are very important algorithms that facilitate the activities of the blockchain. These need to be carefully programmed to automate different steps. And it's the auditors who should be playing the key role in designing those smart contracts, because if they design them for automated checking of different auditing steps, they obviously don't need to do that manually or physically. They don't need to request documents, check visually or manually or on a computer the records so the system can report it to them if some misconduct happens or that is not entered or specific steps in a trial are not taken. Mm. We've talked about this so far sort of in terms of regulation, maybe between pharmaceutical companies and other places. But so it occurs to me that, you know, all clinical trials, if they're happening in a university or whatever, this data manipulation is at a danger. And we've seen a rash of papers where it turns out that one in- investigator within a within a clinical trial has manipulated stuff and that's been a problem. Another thing blockchain must do then is if everyone is aware of a change that's happened, if the you know that change becomes transparent, automatically then everyone has to take collective responsibility for the data within the blockchain and there can no longer be this idea of this one lone wolf doing you know something bad it's it's uh, everyone would be responsible for that as well which which would be useful indeed and um, data manipulation is the problem but perhaps in the grand scheme of things of what's wrong with clinical trials, it's not the grandest problem because there are some instances of that. And uh, yes, if blockchain can help avoid that, um, it will be the first fantastic step. But the value that I see in this is really improving the efficiency of all steps. So dead data manipulation by default becomes impossible because it's not like the chain needs to agree to that by by design they will not be able to make that change so eventually through a generation or so the mindset of researchers will change that it's not even an option uh, but the important point is actually programming different steps. So I think, for example, we can really decrease the amount of missing data. Uh, missing data could happen for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes a patient might have not shown up. Sometimes it might be a fault of the researcher or um the smart contracts can be used in such a way that the subsequent record cannot be entered into the system if the previous record hasn't been entered. So this will ensure complete records. Of course, patient might be missing, and of course, we might put the value of zero on no value, but something needs to be put mm, in mm. there. So that's another very useful feature that um, in addition to auditing, in addition to efficiency and facilitating, can help. So that's what it can do. And I've talked a little bit about the the beginning of this kind of promised world of, of what the blockchain uh, can do. That, that that seems wishful thinking, at least. Within clinical trials, um, you know, the data might be uh, keep its integrity. It might be absolutely what was recorded and we can check that. But that doesn't mean that 
the way in which we decided what data to record or at the other end of it, how that data is then interpreted um, will be in any way protected or enhanced uh, by blockchain. Absolutely. Um, I'm very much interested in clinical trial integrity and clinical trial design. And I have to admit that blockchain is not resolving the most um, difficult issues that we have with clinical trials. And unfortunately, most clinical trials are poorly designed and um, they either ask wrong questions or even if it's an RCT, it doesn't mean it stands up to a standard or is um, run appropriately. And um, from that point of view, uh, blockchain will not resolve that. And we need policy change for that. And we need um, very different um, steps in order to improve overall situation with clinical trial design and output. And you're right, with analysis, exact same thing. However, with analysis, uh, blockchain brings a little bit more hope because um, somehow we built a, a system where uh, groups responsible for the trial are the same groups analyzing that trial and reporting that trial. These groups feel entitled to the ownership of the data. And um, um, I find this absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I really hope that one day we'll build a world where um, data analysis is always done by third parties who have no vested interests, like accountants do their job checking tax returns or any other financial annual mm. re records that should be emotionally disinvested activity of analyzing clinical trials. If the sponsor wants to do that in parallel, uh, to have a transparent, healthy dialogue, of course, that is one of the ways forward. But blockchain is a really pivotal feature here, which can finally resolve this problem and deliver intact data sets to independent bodies and to the sponsor. Mm. So you've already said that you think this might be something that's happening kind of in the background uh, in the future. And I wonder now, if we were to start thinking about how to design this, how do we go about creating a blockchain? This is a great question because I think all technical solutions are already there and um, we already have many solutions which made blockchains much more cheaper and versatile. The problem that I see is um, that people who are actually currently working in the blockchain field, they're very far removed from complexities and issues in clinical trials. They don't even understand all the problems that trialists run into or regulators. And um, people in the clinical trial world, um, for them, blockchain is this esoteric concept that this is the last thing you currently think about because there are so many more important mm. things to worry about. So somehow we need to find these people in between who can wear both hats and really marry the two and um, bring this solution forward. So 
as you said, this is massively cultural change rather than a technical problem at the moment, because implementing um, clinical trial on a blockchain makes everything transparent to every participant on a blockchain. And um, I'm not sure that companies are ready for the fact that the data immediately goes to the regulator for an analysis. I'm not sure that regulators have resources and capacity to actually do that. Same thing with academic research, that where will their data go? Will funders of academic research have capacity to analyze this data in parallel or separate academic centers? Can they do that? Theoretically, it is all doable. Practically, we are nowhere close to thinking about the world in this way. So if one day one of the funders or regulators um, decides to pilot that, it will be a fantastic step forward because this could be implemented in any country. It doesn't have to be in England. I, I wish it would be done in the UK as a first step, but if an NIH in the US wants to do that, or FDA, or a regulator in Europe, um, it's a welcome step and we can pilot it, but I think it's very important that non-commercial players instigate it and um, go behind this concept and eventually start regulating this. Mm. Well, I came into this being very cynical about blockchain's uh, ability to help, and you've actually won me around a bit. So, Lisa, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about it. Thank you very much for inviting. You've been listening to Lisa Osipenko talk about her essay, Blockchain's Potential to Improve Clinical Trials. That's available on bmj.com. As always, I'll link to it in our podcast text, so you can find that easily. That's it for this episode, but we'll be back very soon. We'll be looking at over-the-counter genetic testing, the kind of 23andMe stuff, looking at ancestry. But that kind of data can also be used to look at disease risk, but not necessarily in a very useful way. It's a really interesting chat, so if you don't want to miss out on that, then subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts from. We're in most places now. Whilst you're there, it'd be great if you could rate or review us. We do actually go and look at it. It makes my day when we have a nice rating. It also helps other people to find us as well and gets the word out about the podcast. So until next time, I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.